Hello, love. Thank you so much for dropping into Time in the Studio today, where we dig into creativity and healing and provide tools to support your soul to become the most radiant version of yourself. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller, artist, herbalist, helper, and podcaster in Boulder, Colorado. And I love chatting with earth and heart-centered creatives and sharing these conversations with you. And the conversation I had with Elena of Cold Gold is sure to warm your heart as well and is jam-packed with ideas to make your creative projects shine and to be more recognized for your work. More on that in a minute. Um, I'm recording this intro on election day and will be released the day after the election. This is such an intense day and I'm just trying to tend to myself. So I made myself a little tea with some skullcap and chamomile and catnip and did a little journaling this morning and planning to go for a walk later, did a little art and coloring. And I'm so hopeful for change as I see many people getting more aware and involved in making positive changes in the world and diving into their own creativity and healing. And I'm just so excited to share with you this chat today. Uh, I want to give a big hug and thanks to people who have been listening, sharing, commenting, supporting the podcast and my projects in so many different ways. And I love doing this work and it just warms my heart when I hear from you and I see you're digging my projects. So thanks so much for being here. I am also excited about the new music on the show. It's my friend Aaron Travers. You can check out his work. It's on Instagram at aa.travers, T-R-A-V-E-R-S. And please be sure to connect with Time in the Studio podcast and Cold Shop Cold Gold. Um, so a little story. I met Elena while going to art school in Knoxville for printmaking and was just immediately drawn to her thoughtful and bright way of being in the world. We took some classes together and she just always had really insightful things to say. And this chat got me inspired to take her entrepreneurship class, which catapulted me to wake up my sleepy Etsy shop that got very little action for years and years. And I'm just starting to implement some of her ideas, but I got more sales in my shop in two nights than I had in two years. So, uh, which is to say, grab a pen, get ready and take notes. There are some seriously great ideas in this episode. And I also want to encourage you to connect with Cold Gold uh, for her classes because they are super helpful and just, yeah, game changing and super fun. And I'm also, I've never done this before, but I'm doing a little Cliff Notes version of the episode with some creative prompts and affirmations and a checklist for um, things you could work on in your creative business. So if you want a copy of that, you can head to my Patreon and that's for Patreon subscribers. It's www.patreon.com slash time in the studio. And a little bit more about Elena. She is the hands and brain behind Cold Gold. It's an accessories brand specializing in colorful leather goods and geometric jewelry. She opened the company in 2013 after receiving her BFA in printmaking from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Love that school. Uh, she has served on Knoxville's Mayor's Maker Council since 2016 and was committee chair of Knoxville's Maker City Summit in 2018 and 2019. <clears throat> Sorry, I need a little sip of my tea. 
She also teaches an Etsy craft entrepreneurship class, which covers things like branding, photography, and optimizing Etsy listings for search. Along with that, Elena has participated in over 40 craft fairs and two trade shows and sells her line to more than 80 retail stores worldwide. To check out more of her work, you can go to her website, www.shopcoldgold.com. Her Instagram is at shopcoldgold. That will definitely be in show notes. And a few shout outs that she wanted to mention, we talk a little bit about in the episode. Uh, Tanika Harper, she runs three small businesses, including Harper's Naturals. It's a skincare line that helps those with sensitive skin. And the Shora Foundation, which is a nonprofit that provides a safe space after school program and other services and resources to inner city teens in the East Knoxville area. And she and Elena, Elena and Tanika, volunteer together with the Maker City, that's in Knoxville, and have co chaired the Maker City Summit together. Also, a shout out to Nancy Solomon of Rala. We talk about this shop. Uh, a little bit, especially in the beginning of the episode. Rala sells eclectic handmade goods and art, and including cold gold. And she worked at Rala as a buyer and merchandiser for seven years. The owner, Nancy Solomon, encouraged her to start cold gold and shared mountains of wisdom about owning a small biz and has remained one of her biggest supporters to this day. And yeah, so without further ado, let's dive in. I hope you voted. I hope we are celebrating that the orange guy is no longer going to be our president. Um, Fingers crossed. Regardless of who becomes our president, we will have work to do. And I want to do the work. And I bet you do too. So let's uh, come up with creative ways to make this world a better place. Okay, let's dive in. Cha-cha-cha. I am so beyond excited and thrilled to have on the podcast today, Elena Smith, the brains and heart behind Cold Gold, an amazing company making beautiful accessories and products for people. She's also a teacher and an artist and just a really inspiring entrepreneur in my mind who's working, helping people and making really beautiful work. So thank you so much, Elena, for being here today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm so pumped. Amazing. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more. How do you describe your work? How did you get into this work? Sure. So I feel like with most small businesses and makers, there wasn't like a starting point where like an on-off switch. I've been making clothing for my cat since I was three. You know, I was doing (laughs) stuff growing up where I just wanted to draw all the time or sew something or just make things constantly. I guess when it turned from just having an obsession with making things into more of a career was right after graduating from college, which went to school for printmaking and loved it. Really loved it. I I love a process that has tiny, tedious pieces to it. And that's Mm. a lot of what I make now is just tiny, tedious stuff. But I graduated and my mom, about six months after, sent me this bag in the mail full of scrap leather. And it was well-timed because it was about two months out from Christmas. And as a newly art graduate, I didn't have a ton of money to my name. So buying Christmas presents just wasn't something I was going to be able to do for a lot of people. 
but I know how to sew and I'd never worked for leather before. So I felt like I'll just see if I can't make these into a couple of wallets or pairs of earrings or whatever. And I think I gave maybe six or eight of my friends like handmade wallets and they not only loved them, but I started getting emails and texts from other friends that were like, Hey, I really love that wallet you made for Courtney. How much do you charge for them? And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Charge for them. <laughs> and cause you know, up until this point, like I, I loved making art. I loved being in printmaking, but the switch between that and making a good for sale it felt, mm. it kind of felt like a dirty word, like, oh yeah. no, you know? And I, I started making that switch in my brain to being like, well, I mean, I really like making this. And yeah. right now using scrap leather, it's really inexpensive for me to do that. So I slowly started selling things and being able to share my work further. And then it was just, you know, it was that like slow climb of turning into my, my main job over the course of the last Oh my gosh, six and a half years. Wow. Seven years. Yeah. Amazing. Eight years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then, so you've been running your shop pretty much since then. Yeah. Yeah. It was wow. in 2011 is when I started playing around with stuff and, and making the gifts for friends. Yeah. And it was probably 2012 where I gave it a name and owned it. Like, okay, this is something I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess it has been like eight years. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which feels nuts. I have like my baby's not in kindergarten anymore. <laughs> like going through grade school, learning how to write cursive. I mean <laughs> oh, I love that. It yeah. is I I can see how having a business is like having a kid, you know? And I think that's the path I wanna pursue is having creative endeavors and have evolving my business rather than having children. But I do love other people's children. But I'm curious yeah. I remember coming to visit, I can't remember what year it was, but I came back to visit after I moved away from Tennessee and you had a little storefront property that you were working within and it was so beautiful and I just love just the aesthetics of your work are just so cohesive and clear and clean. I'm curious how you've kind of evolved that vision. Did you, is that all your own doing? Did you collaborate with other people or how did that vision come about? Yeah. So I would say I'm probably driving the bus on it, but I have some very talented people who built the bus for me to drive as far as (laughs) what it looks like. Um, Curiously enough, I almost went into school for graphic design. I actually listened to an episode of yours where another uh, artist you talked to talked about starting in graphic design. I think because it's something that like, I really love, you know, flipping through um, design magazines or websites online where just like have really beautiful design. So I feel like I have an eye for it, but I don't have like the Ira Glass quote, right? Like I have the taste, but I don't have the mechanism to create the thing. Mm. So when I very first started branding, my boyfriend, now husband, helped me a lot with it because he had a lot more experience with graphic design. And then a couple years, you know, rebrand every so once in a while. My most recent branding, I got to work 
with a woman named Allie Mounts who actually went to UT with us. She was in Grand. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and she had moved back to Memphis and started her own small business called Pretty Useful Co., who I'm just oh. a huge fan of. But I worked with her to create the newest branding. So it was, let me put this design board together and you can be that filter to distill it into something um, that looks good. <laughs> Isn't yeah. just words and, and you know, Pinterest boards and stuff. But I've had such a, a blast kind of coming up with what those words may be. You know, if you're thinking of the words that identify your business, what are other people saying and what are you feeling? So like geometric, mm-hmm. gold, it's in the name of the business, but also like it's always kind of what I'm thinking of as to, like tonally. And then further than that, just like luxe materials and feelings and colors. So she just did a really expert job of kind of taking the language I was using and building something that looked like what I was saying. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love the recent photos that you've been doing just with the like really exciting makeup and colors and backgrounds. Just everything just feels like super alive and kind of disco, but contemporary. It's just, it seems so fun to work on and just so fun to be a part of. So I love that hearing that it's a collaboration with other people that you can kind of help start to, you know, distill everything down and then other people kind of help expand the vision and make it a reality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think any small maker that is saying I'm doing this a hundred percent myself is, is probably just not taking in the whole picture of, (laughs) you know, you have people around you that influence you and Right. Things that you're looking at. And I think for me, I, I feel super lucky to be plugged in with a couple key people that have been able to make a shoot like that happen. But honestly, I feel mm. like if I was to quit my career and with cold gold tomorrow, going into something visual like those photo shoots would be an obvious next. Like, I would love to do that all mm. the time. Like, I collected wardrobe for that for three months, like, cool. worked with a makeup artist to like, find once again like here are my words and then they could turn those words into like what the visual representation of what that is and then one girl I worked with she's actually been a part of all three of my bigger photo shoots she is an avid vintage collector so she always brings a ton of cool clothes and has ideas that like transform the shoot she's like what if we did something like this or like the last time she put on this blue suit and without being prompted at all, just started running and jumping through the chute and like throwing her body around. And I was like, I did not ask her to do that, but that, sh- that shot is amazing. Oh, like, that's awesome. Like in motion kind of stuff. Wow. But yeah, it's a blast to get to work with others. I think taking yeah. other people out of that part of the creative process would just kind of make it just like a little less shiny and fun. Yeah, I can see that. How do you find people to collaborate with? Like, how are you drawn to these people? How do you find them? Yeah, I think the start of being in art school was a really lucky one. Because a lot of the people, I mean, like Allie that did my branding, Mm -hmm. a lot of the people I have met over time have stemmed from that piece. And Mm -hmm. I also feel pretty lucky that a lot of people that are in Knoxville have been here for a while. Like, it's it's a really comfortable place to live for myself, I know, and, and for some others I've talked to. And 
I think they stay here and they're looking for creative projects too. So like the makeup artist is a girl I've known for 10 years. The photographer is someone I met through friends and now is a good friend of my husband. And then a lot of the models I've used have either been suggestions to me were just friends like one of the girls in this last shoot with like the she had crazy curly brown hair that Mm. we just like whipped all over the place she looked like she (laughs) like pj harvey and and she was she was someone i pulled in actually last minute because i had a model drop out and she was Uh like elena i'm not a model and i was like okay well if you've seen your instagram even a little bit yes you absolutely (laughs) and it you know took her a solid 25 minutes to get comfortable enough to just be like just banging out these amazing photos. So oh I, 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 I just feel lucky to kind of already be plugged into some of those people already, you know, mm. just to, to pull from the people I know and not have to look too far. But I know that's, that's such a privilege. Like a lot of people that like take classes with me or getting started are like, how do you find models? And I'm like, mm. man, that's a question that's hard to answer for me because I didn't right. have to go searching that hard. So I know that's a challenge for others, but I feel lucky to not have that on my challenge pile. Yeah. I'm curious since, you know, we're in this pandemic, I'm curious what it's been like evolving from having a storefront to, are you almost completely online now or are you doing, doing both or what has that been like? Yeah. Navigating so this time? I think the storefront that you're remembering is a store called Rolla. Yes. And yes, you're Rolla. Okay. So they still exist and they are, Um, They are making it through. Nancy is doing an amazing job keeping it open. And, you know, it's, it's weird to talk about the start of the business without mentioning Nancy Solomon. I worked for her for eight or nine years. I was a buyer. I worked retail. I did a lot of the emailing. I ended up managing. And she's the person who ushered me into being a confident business owner. Because I think a lot of people can get into business owning and feel like, every single day is like, I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, I have to learn all this stuff. And, you know, once again, I feel really lucky in that I, I had Nancy who sat me down and and taught me some hard lessons real fast, but yeah, so I don't work for Nancy anymore. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while I'll come and do some consulting, but mostly we just get to get lunch. But yeah, I think as far as online versus in person, I can say from Rollo's standpoint, they are doing in person again. They're Mm -hmm. only allowing like two people in the store at a time and everyone has to be masked. But one of their big pushes since the pandemic started was getting more stuff online. Mm -hmm. So they've added something like 5,000 items over the past several months. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Um, That's a ton of work. I I can't even, (laughs) I I mean, I have like 80 products online and I feel really overwhelmed sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I know that many has got to be crazy. But for me, I think the biggest difference between online and in person is craft fairs. I typically Mm -hmm. do like 10 to 15 a year and not one of those has happened. And so looking at where chunks of my income come from, and having one completely evaporate in a way that may not come back for another year or more yeah. feels wild. And, and you're right. I mean, a lot of it is just going online and trying to make my website more findable, try to relate more with customers and have them a re- give them a reason to come back to the website for more than just shopping, right? So this year we started mm. a blog that I'm really excited about, which is just like fun and goofy. Yeah, and then my studio assistant, Shelby and I, did a huge overhaul of the website, which was just making SEO. It's work so for gorgeous. Us. Yeah. It looks so hot. 
So you have done the website mostly you're on your own? Myself and Shelby. Wow. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's as far as visuals, it's mostly been me. And then Shelby has been in charge of our blogging. So if oh, you read cool. anything on the blog, it's probably Shelby's voice. I am not, I am not a great writer. <laughs> I really not. I know where my skills lie and visually I do a lot better than, than writing stuff. So she's done that for me. And honestly, you know, like I said earlier about like collaborating, it's just way more fun mm -hmm. to work on big projects like that with somebody else, um, kind of helping, helping Steve. That so, makes so much right. sense. I'm curious, kind of touching back to something you mentioned before, you said Nancy taught you some lessons really quickly. Is there anything mm -hmm. you want to recap that she, she yeah. infused into you or helped you learn really quickly? Yeah. I mean, it was probably dozens of lessons and a lot of it is probably like the both important and boring stuff of like accounting and you know, yeah. things that you need as a small business owner. But the one I remember the most, and I have to remind myself of the most, is don't begrudge making more money. And I know that sounds kind mm -hmm. of bad, like, of course you would. But there would be times I'd come in, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, Nancy, I'm so busy. Like, I've been staying up until two in the morning to get stuff done. And like, what if I just like took that product off the website so I could, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to make this more, this chunk of money. I'd rather have my time back. Or the next thing I would say is, but like, if I make enough money, I'll be in this next tax bracket or I'll start having to pay things like this. And she'd stop me. She'd be like, stop it. You are holding yourself back from success because you don't, oh. you don't, you're scared of it was yeah. kind of the, the basis for it. But a lot of it was just like, don't be scared of making more money. Well, and I, I don't know it, fe it feels like a, a weird lesson because duh but also if you're in that moment of being a small business that one for me I feel like has rung true another uh, good friend of mine that also came up through Nancy school has mm -hmm. said the same thing she's like <laughs> you know like charging clients like more money to do something she's like I'm never I'm never scared of it because like I feel like Nancy's in my brain like don't be scared to ask for more money don't be scared yeah. to yeah. make more money so oh that's that a good one that's yeah. a really good one. That's so helpful. Yeah. And good to remember. <laughs> I'm curious. So working with so many items on your website, because I've kind of, I'm on Squarespace and I'm playing around with Etsy just because I feel like it's easier to upload stuff to Etsy. And I'm curious what your experience is with e-commerce and if you have any suggestions there. Yeah, absolutely. There are a million ways to go. That's for sure. Myself, I have a Squarespace. That's what my website is through. And I've, once you learn Squarespace, like once you get over the learning hump of knowing how to navigate it and put new things in, I think it works pretty well. I think yeah. there are obviously things that other websites do better. And then there's things that Squarespace does better, but I really enjoyed using Squarespace for e-commerce. And then Etsy, of course. Etsy is um, in a really big transitional time over the last two years where um, the CEO has changed. Uh, some mm -hmm. of the goals of the website have changed to a degree. Mm -hmm. And it has both seen increase in sales for some people, but also a lot of frustration for people who have been there for a really long time. So yeah. like like any website, you just have to evolve. And I know, I know they have. But what I would say is that if you're just kind of dipping your toe in the pool of e-commerce, Etsy is a really great way to start. Mm -hmm. 
they build in so many of the, I wonder how I do that, or what's the best practice for this, right into as you're using it. So you yeah. could be putting a listing in, adding photos or whatever, and it'll give you pop-ups or have somebody next to it that says, we, we see that customers interact with these more when there's this many photos or more, or mm. we notice that customers like shipping to fall between these prices or nothing. So they give you a lot of learning blocks as you go, as opposed yeah. to having to flip back and forth between Googling something and then trying to decide what to do. So I think Etsy gives a lot of a kind of a head start. on top of which mm. there's no like Squarespace. I pay a fee for every single year to sell through them. Mm -hmm. Etsy you pay when you make sales. So mm -hmm. the buy-in is just so much lower than other things. So I think yeah. it's just, a, it's a really great kind of starting point for, for small businesses. That's great. That's good to know. Cause I, I had made a couple of sales on Etsy and I was like a little frustrated that they take a percentage, but then it's like, well, I'm not paying for like, I, I'm not paying them that much for it. And it's kind of free advertising, you know, it's like bringing people to my site. So I think it balances out and it's, and it's a good like little starter place to figure it out. So that's a really, that's good to consider. I love that. And yeah. you're, you're teaching on Etsy too. What's that like? I am. So I have been teaching a class called Etsy Craft Entrepreneurship for oh. a couple of years. They've just recently kind of changed some of the curriculum. So we have renamed it. I think it's called Etsy Masterclass is what we're doing now. Mm -hmm. But I partner with an organization here in Knoxville called the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center. And this is a lot of names and titles. <laughs> but what the KEC does is they help small businesses, whether you're a maker, if you're a startup, you created an app, whatever take those next steps. And its funding comes from um, the state. So it's a nonprofit. It's just trying to help people. Okay. So they have been able to run these Etsy classes that I teach consistently for years. So because of the pandemic, we've transitioned to them being online, but it's just, it's translated beautifully. I mean, a lot of people are yeah. teaching online. So instead of having these two really long days, we'll do five or six little short lessons at night, you know, when people, mm -hmm. maybe if people are still going to work during the day or maybe they have their kids during the day or something. So we've been trying to be able to be even more flexible than we were in the past, as well as recording lessons. So if you wanted to go back oh, nice. to it or access it later, all that kind of good stuff. So Etsy class is, you know, we're going to call it an Etsy class, but I would say mm -hmm. maybe only 30 to 40% of it is Etsy specific information. Mm -hmm. Most of it is like, the basics of branding or mm. who's your target customer or yeah. the, you know, starting off on social media and doing marketing. So I think, you know, whether you're actually going to stick with Etsy or go to another site like Squarespace, most, if not all of the lessons still really ring true, which has been great to see people be able to grow with the information as their business grows. Yeah. I can see for artists and for herbalists, Branding is such a struggle and it's mm -hmm. really hard to realize that we're, we have to kind of sell ourselves and put ourselves out there and put our work out there in a way that is aesthetically pleasing and that connects with people and that we kind of figure out how we fit in this world. It's definitely something that I'm like very slowly, like a little turtle, one little piece at a time. And so, 
yeah, I just love hearing about other people's journeys and that seems like such a good class. Is there any exercise or something that you can suggest people do to help kind of identify their brand or to understand a little bit more about their work and how they're showing up? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, branding is so interesting because it kind of feels icky to think about, like, yeah. ooh, how am I going to sell myself to the stranger on the internet? But if you can get outside of the icky feeling, it's really just trying to find somebody who wants to find you too. It's really yeah. more of connection points as opposed to selling yourself, which I have such a problem with. Social media and me are not right. on great terms most of the time, but I know that it is essential. So I stick with it. But as far as an exercise, yes, I have two. You can Ooh. do them together. But number one has more to do with finding out who your target customer is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people skip this step early on because they think everyone's my target customer. I want everyone mm -hmm. to buy from me. Yeah. But the truth is, whatever you're selling, some people aren't going to buy either the price is too low, too high, the product isn't something that they would be drawn to anyway, they already have another brand they like, whatever it is, you think mm -hmm. like, oh, well, like paper towels, everyone buys paper towels. But we still choose brands within something as ubiquitous as a paper towel. So yeah. how do you find your person that wants to, wants to buy from you, right? And mm -hmm. so the exercise is, I want you to dream up that person. And it's gonna feel silly, but get super specific. I wanna know what they do on the weekends. I wanna know what they order if they go to a restaurant, what restaurant they even go to, what um, color is their hair. I mean, <laughs> think of all these specific things. And when you can get to the end of that, name that person. And anytime you have a new idea or some kind of marketing push or new product, think, would my target customer, would Sally be excited about this? Would Sally mm. give me money for this? And if the answer is no, then it's, it's easy to backtrack before you do all of this legwork. Oh, wow. So never skip the step of trying to think of who that person would be. And it's not meant, I should, I should definitely say, it's not meant to be limiting. It's not meant to say, I will only sell to Sally. It's just meant to right. say, who is most likely to not only like my stuff, but give me money for what I do, kind yeah. of being the bigger piece. And then I'm going to say the second part of this exercise Please, is yeah. take your brand and make that brand a person in your mind. So the mm -hmm. same idea, right? So mm -hmm. here's your target customer, here's Sally and my brand Cold Gold. How do I introduce Cold Gold at a party if, if I was bringing Cold Gold as a person? You yeah. Know? How would I say like, oh my gosh, Cold Gold loves being able to see, see their friends, enjoy getting <laughs> dressed up, but they don't like spending a ton of money on what they wear because it changes fairly often. They, look, mm -hmm. they love looking glitzy. You know, how would you describe your brand as if it were a person going out to a party with you? And yeah. I feel like that can kind of give that visual representation to the choices that you would make, whether it's a logo or your website or even colors you use. Those personalities can start to inform the choices that you make. Absolutely. Well, that's so helpful. And really, I, it's funny because I've never done either of those things like no. <laughs> four years <laughs> like my podcast and my work I'm just like it's for everyone like whoever wants it and so that's an interesting idea to kind of start narrowing it down not to and again not to um, exclude anyone but just to start 
figuring out how to talk to one person and really focus my attention on how to connect with one person at a time in a special way. Yeah, I think that's really what it is, is, you know, it's, it's a really fun idea to think like I can talk to everyone or I can make a product that's made for everyone. But isn't it more fun? Like the way that we have friends, right? Yeah. I don't need to be friends with everybody. Right. But the people that are close to me in my life, those are the special people. Yeah. Those I want to invest precious. more time in that person. Exactly. They're precious. And I think that if we start thinking of customers in our audiences in that way, then they, f- they feel that we want them to be there. And, and yes, we want to sell them something because it's what helps us run our own lives too. But mostly it's about that connection point and that that island that we're making of people with like views and, and like minds. And that to me is way more exciting than just selling a pair of earrings to any old person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so beautiful. I love that idea of just connecting to people in a deeper way. Yeah. I'm curious just to hear more about your creative process. Like how do you create these different collections and how does the work evolve through time? Like how do you capture those moments? Do you, are you really into sketchbooks or drawing or making? How do you, yeah, what does your creative process look like? Yeah, a little bit of everything. I think I should start saying I have so many goods that I make and so much of what I do from day to day is manufacturing, which is <laughs> I love a tedious task, it's, yeah. but it's one of those you can turn your brain off for, right? It's not yeah. what I would even consider a creative moment to be making a, a hundred pairs of earrings. Mm-hmm. But the creative process just lives in such a different space in my brain that doing them on the same day is very difficult to do. Ah. So step one for me of creative process is try to slow my brain down or bring my brain back to a different place of just manufacturing or just running a business. It just takes up a different space. So usually for me, it has to do with like finding music I want to listen to or a material I want to use. This year when I was designing the Velvet Rope collection, which is my newest collection of these big, bold, bright, kind of like seventies, almost like Matisse inspired shapes for Mm -hmm. ears. And I did a lot of looking online at things like art from the 70s, art from the 60s, patterning that was happening during those times. I looked a ton at Studio 54 photos, mostly because I love that era of fashion. <laughs> you know, can I go back in, ta- in time and, and ask Cher to wear these earrings? And which is, <laughs> is this something that Cher And if I can get my brain in a space that feels like that, that's mm-hmm. where the next creation part can happen, which for me was learning Procreate and Adobe Draw and just sitting for hours sketching shapes and not putting pressure on any one of those shapes. I wouldn't start making a shape and think this has to be it. This has to be the design. I have to be done now. I would make hundreds and hundreds of shapes in different colors. I would copy a shape, erase part of it, And it finally, it led to three designs of earrings I'm really excited about. But, you know, it it wasn't just I sat down and sketched three. I I sketched, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these things to find something that felt like what I wanted it to be. So creation for me is a lot, just a lot of, you know, putting a lot out there without the pressure for everything to have to be ready to go. That's so interesting. And I'm just starting to learn Procreate. So I would love to hear more about that like how did you 
how did you decide to do it in procreate instead of like physically just making drawings in a sketchbook? Yeah, I think it has everything to do with the pressure point. I love mm -hmm. to sketch on paper with everything from watercolors to pencil. I love it. Mm -hmm. But I found myself when I was trying to make the shapes for this collection, once it was physically down on a piece of paper, it was like it had to mean something. And if I was trying to make these hundreds of shapes in a physical way, well, then I was all of a sudden reminded, oh my gosh, I, I can't make a shape yet. And there it is. I just did it. But there's something about Procreate that was like, it feels so limitless. There's no mm -hmm. paper. It's yeah. digital. I can make millions of these shapes and it'll take <laughs> up physical space. Yeah. And so it just, it allowed me to feel really confident in continuing on making them. So mm. I do, I do love to sketch, but usually if I'm at like a sketching point with paper, I'm mm -hmm. a little further along in the process. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. That totally makes <laughs> sense. That's so cool. That's an interesting idea. And mm -hmm. like, I wonder about, I don't know, the idea of doing like prints of your sketches you know, like making that into, like compiling them somehow and making that into, yeah. like, uh, I don't know, a print or something. <laughs> I would love that. I mean, that was always my favorite process when I was in school was mono prints, which was, mm -hmm. it kind of took the pressure off, right? I didn't have a plate yeah. that was set in time that I could make a bunch of. Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, well, I can add one element that maybe is on every single print, but I loved the idea of doing these mono prints where it was something a little bit different. I could cut this piece out of this and then put it on this one later. Just that extra uh, you know, amount of freedom while still existing in the sphere of printmaking, which was making mm -hmm. a bunch of something. Painting's always intimidated the hell out of me because it's one. You got yeah. just the one in front <laughs> of it. Once again, with that pressure, I, I think, I think yeah. a lot of it is just building confidence over time. And I think without a daily creative practice, my confidence can definitely sometimes take a hit when it comes to like, oh my gosh, I've been in manufacturing mode for a month. Like it's time for mm -hmm. me to start making something again. And my brain, you know, I think, I think our brain reverts back sometimes of like, well, can you do this? And mm -hmm. what was it like the last time? And, but what if, what if you've been a fraud this whole time and you're not good at what you do? You mm. know what I mean? Like oh, stuff yeah. that imposter syndrome can just take over. Oh, the, it's nasty. It's nasty, right? It's nasty <laughs> business. Yeah. I'm curious if you have any tips for overcoming imposter syndrome or for continuing or having some sort of daily practice amidst the frenzy of making the work, shipping the work, doing like all the logistics. Like I am really interested in the, the logistics too. Like that mm -hmm. part, I'm trying to figure out how to make that part more exciting and like more of like a ritual where I'm like, okay, I'm going to light a candle and figure out my taxes. Or, <laughs> so I'm curious how you, yeah, how you navigate all of that. But yeah, imposter syndrome is definitely something that comes up for me often. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't, I hardly know how to turn on the computer. And so when I started a podcast, people were like, how are you doing? That? <laughs> I don't know. I just <laughs> turn on the computer and that's about yes. it. Yes. It's that one step at a time. And yeah. sometimes I think because as, you know, artists and business owners, as we are, we're taking these one step after another. It's really difficult sometimes to stop where you are, turn around and see how far you've climbed. And I think personally, that's where my imposter syndrome has come from or people around me too, is that it's not that they don't belong there. It's that 
they've been so slowly increasing their knowledge and their ability within what they do that they, they don't even know what's happening. Yeah. One example is I, for a couple of years, was the chair of something called the Maker City Summit, which was uh, a conference that we brought together, you know, three to 400 different makers and artists and small business owners to empower them with skills. And I was in charge of the committee that was putting together um, who was going to speak, who was going to be there, all of the things. And at the end of the summit, I was, you know, going around thanking all of these speakers and panelists. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. Our crowd really loved hearing what you had to say in your experience. Every one of them, and I'm not, I'm not leaving anyone out. Everyone was like, I mean, yeah, you're welcome. But like, I don't know why you chose me to, to be on stage. Like, I don't really know that much. Uh-huh. And it just became apparent to me. I was like, I don't think anybody feels like, not anybody, but like, I don't <laughs> feel like they deserve where they are. Yeah. Everyone has this underlying imposter syndrome that they are dealing with, whether it's day to day or in positions of power, like being on stage during a panel talk. But I think that's, that helps me is that mm-hmm. I am not alone in my own imposter syndrome. Yeah. This is something that plagues people. This is something that plagues women traditionally even more than it does men because we haven't been allowed to be in these spaces. Point to, I was like, I wonder how many of those people were women. And because I feel like men in general don't tend to voice their vulnerability and voice that they experience imposter imposter syndrome if and when they do. So I feel like, yeah, that's something... That's a curious, curious thing. I've I've seen it happen where it's as if women in moments need to make the excuse and point out their flaw before anybody else can, Mm. because if somebody else does it first, then, then they've outed me. They know I'm the fraud. I'm not allowed to be here. And I definitely have been that person before, which is Mm -hmm. instead of being like, I belong in this room, I belong at this table. I belong in this discussion. I, I know that I'm not supposed to be there. And so everything I would say comes from a place of, well, you know, I'm not really supposed to have an opinion on this, or I'm not really supposed to be here. But, and so if we always come from that space, then how much are we allowing ourselves to get past that moment and then dream of the really good, fun ideas? You know, it's, it's, stunting in ways and I think absolutely yeah. there's there's men that experience it and mm-hmm. and in moments probably can be vulnerable with it but my conversations have definitely centered around uh women specifically younger women who dealt with this and actually older women a lot of my Etsy classes I have people who have newly retired mm-hmm. and they want to start at Etsy on the side or a business and even more so right mm-hmm. they're they're pressing up against ageism, which is like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not as confident on a computer. And I have right. to, I have to talk about that a lot. I'm like, Oh, I'm just terrible at computers. I'm just terrible at computers. And I'm like, well, stop, mm-hmm. let's, let's learn it as opposed right. to coming from the place of I'm not supposed to be here. Someone's going to call me out. You know? Wow. Yeah. That's just so interesting. And I can just see how it's problematic to be already minimizing ourselves, like to not just be bold and confident and present the information, but to try to make it small and make ourselves small. I'm like, oh, I never want to do that again. Uh, Yeah, and I think allowing the space for being able to have moments 
where you're vulnerable and you're like, hey, I don't understand this very well. This is new to me. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I've always struggled with this part of my business. And I think there's definitely times where you can own the fact that you're new or own mm -hmm. the fact that you're learning. I think that if you are approaching every situation as though you are you were born yesterday, you're undercutting yourself and your own ability. And I, I have been, and still are a lot of the time fighting the urge to, mm. to operate from that place, but mm -hmm. it doesn't help me. And it doesn't help anybody else around me to yeah. live in that zone. Well, I love that you're presenting yourself as an authority on Etsy and teaching. And I'm curious and just, I could see how that would help your brand and your brand helps you know, having all of these experiences helps you to be a richer, more helpful teacher. I'm curious to know more about if you have any tips for people who are teachers or wanting to teach, because I can see there's definitely a rise in online courses and people wanting to learn online. Do you have any suggestions for how to present your ideas in a really clear way and what people are interested in learning about in general? Yeah, I do. So I was lucky enough when I started teaching the Etsy class that they had this whole kind of programming around teaching, teaching you to be a teacher in a pinch. You know, it's, it's like, we don't, they don't want to just throw anybody that's good at Etsy in there. There's a couple other pieces of just, you know, outside mm -hmm. of just being good at the platform. And I didn't realize it until they sent this, but one of the main portions of the training is about empathy. So, oh. you know, I, I read and watched a lot from Brene Brown and others. Mm -hmm. oh, love her. But a lot of it was talking about seeing your students in a light that they may be scared to ask that question or they may be coming from a place of very new to learning or new to the subject. So, for instance, if someone in the class is uncomfortable using a computer, I want to come from an empathetic place mm -hmm. to be like, well, just figure it out or just Google it. They may not know what Googling it is. They may not know what mm -hmm. opening a new tab means. So if I come, come at it from an empathetic place, I'm going to get through to them more. They're going to trust me more. And just inherently, they will be able to receive the information easier. So that's definitely number one is, is Sarah, you're already there. <laughs> Sometimes painfully so, but really, I mean, I think that's good for everyone to yeah. realize. Like if we want to teach ourselves and each other new ways of doing things, yeah, to start from a place of empathy, I think is a really beautiful like entry point into learning. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's... That's really, that would be the biggest and maybe only tip I would say is if you're looking into teaching is just come from an empathetic place and, and you're going to have a better time and so are they. And then just make it fun. You know, mm -hmm. I, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I'm a pretty animated person. And so yeah. via Zoom or in person, I find myself constantly doing dances or jumping up and down <laughs> because it's just who I am. But I do think I that there's that. an engagement level that people kind of are you interested to watch, right? I may yeah. be talking about doing your taxes or something financial, but it feels more like a, f a fun lesson. So Ooh. it's just like my mom was a kindergarten teacher. Maybe that is just, just <sighs> deep down in me. <laughs> I hear you. My mom is as well, kindergarten and preschool. So really? Oh yeah. <laughs> this makes so much sense. <laughs> I'm curious how you maintain momentum for your projects because I could see especially when you are making something that is very consistent 
and you know like you create a collection you commit to it and then you decide you're going to make it how do you maintain that momentum to fulfill those orders to you know do the things that are not as fun and flashy and exciting like how do you keep going yeah I, you know, would love to come from a place of, oh, that's easy for me because I'm just always motivated. <laughs> but that is just like, just simply not true. Um, you know, uh, there are definitely tasks that I love to put off and other things that are the kinds of things that clear my brain. But, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to trying to make sure I get everything done, I give myself a lot of space for the things that I don't like doing. So mm -hmm. instead of saying, I have to do this this morning, I'll be like, really this needs to be done by the end of the week. And mm -hmm. the moment that you feel the, less, the least amount of stress around this piece is the moment you're gonna do it. Yeah. So if I wake up and I have two days to complete something and I'm like, I know I have to do this. And I'm like, I do not want to do that right now. Yeah. I give myself some space on it. I'm gonna do something else. I'm still gonna uh -huh. get something done, but it's gonna be later. And usually I come around to a place in time where we're like, you know what? I don't think I would mind doing that right now. I think it'll be okay. I can do that now. And I just, you know, don't put the pressure on myself to check it off a list at exactly a day and time, which I know there are so many makers out there that would probably hear this advice and be like, that is potentially dangerous. <laughs> but for me, I think, it, I think it's just knowing when that time frame is. And it doesn't mean mm -hmm. pushing everything to the last second necessarily, but like right. if there's a day I'm going to sit down and do things like pay quarterly taxes mm -hmm. or go through my bookkeeping, maybe I should stack a couple things that look like that right together. So I'm already in the mindset of like, it's math day to day. It's yeah. money day to day. And mm -hmm. at the end of that task, I know that I can, you know, take another two weeks or three weeks to have to do that again. And it can allow me to get back to the stuff that feels fun, feels good, and feels exciting. Mm, that's really good advice. I can see how batching would be really helpful and not procrastinating, but giving yourself a little spaciousness and permission because, yeah, I noticed that for myself. Like, I'll create these to-do lists and I'm like, I have to do these three things today. And then I will do everything except those three things. I'm like, they weren't horrible things to do. Like, why mm -hmm. didn't I just do them? But if I make it yeah, it's like if if there's a rule, it has to be broken. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. sometimes I think it's just like the own like self sabotaging this, which is just like, yeah, <laughs> definitely definitely done that. But yeah, I think it's just giving yourself some more space to give yourself the best chance at not hating your job. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, being a small business owner, as I know you can relate to, you have to wear all the hats. You have mm -hmm. to yeah. think of that target customer and do your branding and do your marketing and do your website. And so when some of those hats are really uncomfortable to wear, you, you find ways to wear them less. And, you know, this is probably a piece of advice less for a newbie and more for like, as you keep going. But if there is something you really hate doing, or you find yourself not doing it well or whatever, find somebody else to pay to do it for you. Mm. If you can afford that, take, you know, it, it just takes that anxiety level back down and gives yourself more time to do the fun thing you want to. So if you're able, find the things on your list that you can pay someone else to do. And I, I hired Shelby a little over a year ago and that's definitely been it, which is like, not only is it fun to collaborate with her and feel and like hear ideas, but I've been able to offload the things that I've been doing for so long 
that I dislike that she loves. She's like, <laughs> let me write for you. And I'm like, oh, That's thank awesome. God. I hate writing Instagram, yeah. Instagram captions. And she loves mm-hmm. it. So, you know, you can find people to, to help you along that way. That's harder mm-hmm. in the beginning unless you have right. maybe a parent or friend or a sibling or somebody who can help you for free. But yeah, something to look forward to for sure. <laughs> that is such good advice. I'm definitely not at that point yet for people but I yeah I look forward to hopefully getting there sooner than later you'll get there too (laughs) you will you'll be surprised when it happens you'll be like how has this only been this long (laughs) but I put off hiring Shelby for two years because I thought you're not there yet Uh and looking back I wish I'd hired her two years sooner so yeah you know and she's 15 hours a week it's not as as big Uh of a you know chunk to to bite off but You'll get there and you'll be surprised and you'll be excited and not an if, when. (laughs) Yeah, my partner was just like, just be consistent. Like consistency is everything. And so with the podcast, I've just tried to be like, okay, I'm going to do at least two podcasts a month and oftentimes it's four. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this thing and see how it evolves. But yeah, there's something about consistency. Great mentality for sure. Yeah. I'm curious how you tend to yourself. Like, are there any self-care practices or recipes or things that you do to kind of keep yourself? Do you have like a really fun morning routine or how do you kind of keep yourself alive and well? Yeah. I mean, I think that 2020 is the craziest time to ask that question because all of us, if we didn't have something like that, have had to learn very quickly how do I take care of myself in the dumpster fire that <laughs> this year has been? Yeah. So I, I, I definitely, there's been moments I've, I've very much failed at doing that and put other things first or not seen my own emotions as something that needed to be tended to. This mm-hmm. has definitely been my year of trying to get to that place just consistently. And I think for me, a lot of it has just been making sure I don't work all the time is a big mm-hmm. one. Like giving myself times to, to not work. Like I'm mm-hmm. not going to work on this weekend or I'm not going to work on, on these nights or past a certain time. And that's hard for everybody because mm-hmm. especially with a new business, you may have another job you go to as well or, you know, several jobs or whatever. But for me, it's carving out time that I am not responsible to cold gold is really important. I think also just like finding things that bring me joy each week. Like you mentioned, like recipes, like I, I like to cook, but when I want to cook is, is the time. This last week I was like, you know, I have a little bit less on my plate this week. Like I don't have as many things uh, knocking at my door. So I'm going to make lasagna from scratch. Noodles. It was delicious. It was good. It was not every week that I will do that, but you know, when I can find those like really long, tedious tasks that bring me joy, I, try to make myself or don't make myself but like make sure I have time to to do that uh also been playing a lot of Zelda Breath of the Wild so (laughs) there's that too I'm curious Um, like thinking of other media sources are there other podcasts or books or bands or what have you been watching or reading or listening to lately that you found helpful 
Yeah. I think anything that can take me out of my own brain is good. And for others with anxiety, I know you can relate. Mm -hmm. Being able to turn off my own worries is nice. So things that can be really immersive. So like I said, like Zelda has been great because it is literally like playing in a mystery world (laughs) of dragons and fairies. But then there's other like reading books. I've read a couple good books this summer. I've read, it's called American Dirt. It's Mm. about one woman and her child's um, journey on uh, La Bastia, which is like a train that goes through Mexico towards America and just harrowing tale, really beautiful. There's no doubt in my mind, it'll be a movie at some point. Um, a podcast wise, I love Reply All. Ooh, I love, I've never you've ever listened to that. that? No. It's just about everything internet. So like Ooh. they go really deep into like where QAnon came from, or they go really deep into like, oh an app's journey or, hey, I got these weird robo calls. Where are they coming from? And they end up in India, like finding the people calling them. So like, it's a lot of these like internet adventures that end up in really wild places. (laughs) I do love that. Takes me out of it. Oh, I can see how it's nice to just like be transported away a little bit sometimes when you're like in the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm curious if there's any, like, do you ever get creative blocks? Like, what, how do you work through, you know, when you're working on these projects? What if you get stuck? Like, how, what if you can't come up with a collection? Like, how do you move through and keep, keep the flow going? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely been a problem. I think making accessories and specifically jewelry is a, interesting space because so many people exist in that making space. So mm-hmm. when the voice inside me is like, everything's been done, you can't make anything new. That's my block, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it turns into, well, if I can't make anything new or exciting, I guess, why do that right now? And yeah. I think that's where I have to go take the, like, let the pressure out, take the pressure off. Is it, am I going to do an entirely other project that day? Like make a dress Am I going to do some sketching that has nothing to do with gold gold? For me, at least with a small business, it is making sure that if I do hit that block or I do have imposter syndrome in that moment of making, I do something that's fun and creative and has no pressure on it. I made a dress. <laughs> no one's going to see the dress. It's, I'm not selling the dress, you know, I, but I yeah. did something creative. And, and usually that gets me thinking more creatively towards a task that can move back towards making a new product Mm -hmm. or designing a new collection. I love that. That's so cool. That makes a lot of sense. I can see, yeah, just how that's true for myself too. Like sometimes if I get stuck, I just need to do something for myself and have have it be something that's no one ever sees, not for anyone else. It's if, yeah, if it it doesn't exist on Instagram, does it count or is it real? (laughs) I think, yes, yes, please. Like make stuff for yourself, make that part of your creative Mm. process. And, and if you don't have that, right, if everything eventually is going to be a product or something for sale and look, I am all about making sure you can pay your bills. So you do probably need to make those things too. But like if everything you make Mm. is pointing towards that goal, then you're missing part of the fun of the creative process. And I think Mm. probably missing out on expanding materials you use or processes Mm -hmm. you use, you know? Mm. Like making lasagna is going to be my creative thing this week. Well, great. I got to eat it. I got to enjoy it. No one bought it from me. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really good reminder too. I love that. Just the idea of like stretching and experimenting more. I think I've definitely been kind of trying to, 
use the ideas of like consistency and yeah, just consistency has kind of yeah. been my focus for the last couple months. And I think sometimes that's to my detriment. So yeah, invention, mm. I think play with invention yeah. a little more. That's interesting. That's inspiring. Okay. Well, I want to honor your time. I'm curious if there's anything else coming through you want to be sure to share. Also the journey with Instagram, like how do you, how do you do Instagram? What's, I don't know what the secret is. Oh my gosh. I think <laughs> the secret is that there's nothing you can count on on Instagram for any <laughs> long period of time. It's always changing and, yeah. you know, but I, I guess I would probably just go back to what I was saying earlier about a target audience, your target customer is, mm-hmm. you know, find, find that crowd, find that group of people and become mm-hmm. part of them and, and show up for their conversations. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, just say like, buy this, look at that. You know, it's, it's <laughs> right. about being in the conversation and, and, talking with the people around you and not at them. So a friend of mine, Paris Woodle, who actually also went to the art program at UT and was a painter, uh, she and I just, you you would not have overlapped, I think, with Paris. She's she's probably, I don't know, six, seven years younger than I am. She's quite a bit younger, but... Mm. Or relatively younger, I guess. She and I just collaborated on a giveaway we did together on Instagram, which, oh, you know. Yes. Oh, I oh, saw did you see that, that? <laughs> with the mural. <gasps> yes. It looks awesome. Oh, it looks oh, so good. So, oh, oh, I love her work. That's so exciting. It's just so beautiful. It's this big, colorful mural for those of you listening with different figures she's drawn and just big color blocked. Oh, it's just gorgeous. And to me, it was like, well, we can do a giveaway where we're technically like, here's some stuff. Here's money to spend on Paris's website or here's Mm -hmm. a pair of earrings. But to me, I thought so much more about kind of what we've been talking about with imposter syndrome or like, what are the things I've been shamed for in my life that I've started coming back around to owning and being proud Mm -hmm. of and and considering my superpower, one of which Mm -hmm. is like, you know, being a girl, being girly or Mm -hmm. something like that. I remember growing up just so badly wishing I wasn't girly or Mm -hmm. wishing I, you know, trying to appear more masculine because I thought that it was more respectable than Mm. being womanly and owning that femininity. And I think the mural brought out a lot of those feelings in me because it's, you know, seeing it, it's, it's all these figures that are owning themselves and supporting one another and dressed in really bright colors. And I really identified with like, mm-hmm. I, I feel powerful being my true self and ever pressing mute on being my true self is taking away my power. So the yeah. giveaway, instead of just being win these earrings was tag someone in the comments and share with them what you think their superpower is. Mm. And I, I'm being honest, I cried the whole first day because wow. people were reaching out to their friends and family members with just these incredibly heart, you know, oh. heartwarming things about, I look up to you as a mother. I look up to you oh. as a friend. You're so, I know it's just, it was it's just beautiful. really beautiful. And so, you know, it's, I think on social media with Instagram in mind, be less talking at and more starting conversations and being a part mm. of conversations mm-hmm. would be my my advice to Instagram people. <laughs> so beautiful. That's so helpful. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm trying to move in that direction a little bit more of just like ask more questions, like try to yeah, make space for a conversation if people want to start something. So I, I love that advice and that I need to read through that post. That's, there's so oh. many people I want to tag and honor. That's such a beautiful idea. 
isn't it? I just, and it was, we both did the giveaway, right? So we both uh-huh. had our own post. So just going back and forth between each post, just like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I think collectively oh. we had hundreds of comments of just people wow. building each other up. And it was, oh, I, I, love I feel that. empowered by that, you know? Yes. Oh, I love that idea of, yeah, supporting other people and I think making things more collaborative and more joyful and more kind. Like, I think kindness is, I don't know, kindness is key. That's... Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, especially in this time. I'm curious, mm-hmm. I just want to touch a little bit on just issues around racism and being in the south i'm just curious what it's been like if there's any resource a book or a podcast or anything that you've found that's been transformative or an experience i just feel like i need to give voice to that movement that's happening right now because i think it's really important yeah fully agree it's definitely important i i I've liked seeing that it's been so much more a conversation that's ongoing this year. Because yeah. I feel like in the past, maybe it crops up here and there around, you know, the police murdering another person, another person of color, another black person. And then it kind of goes back away. And this could also just be the bubble that I am in or the people that I follow. But this year, I, I've really enjoyed seeing what my friends of color and then beyond, you know, people I've never met, but what they have to say and following along. I think, you know, repeating or putting their voices to the forefront has been what I've been trying to do more, whether it's through social media or with friends. I did, like like many white folk like me, I did read White Fragility, which was great. You know, I, I think it was one of those books that both is is difficult in moments, but also feels really exciting to have language around some of those things and uh, that's that's a book it's hard to say I enjoyed that book but man I like really needed it and it was great Mm -hmm. and I also there's another um, person on Instagram I follow her or their handle is I heart Erica h-a-r-t and I really Mm -hmm. love what they have to say around fat phobia racism, just all sorts of issues. They have no fear in talking about that and holding people's feet to the fire, which Mm -hmm. I think for me has kind of been like the next step is holding my own feet to the fire and issues, Mm -hmm. but also not being afraid to continue having conversations with my white friends that are uncomfortable. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think especially in the South, you're going to know somebody who has racist feelings. And Mm -hmm. I think if you're if you're lucky, you have those people that are willing to listen and have conversations with you. And, and I think it's been a big lesson probably for myself and a lot of others is that like, what happens when that person is in your family? What happens when that person Mm -hmm. is someone you never knew had those feelings, but you've been close with for a long time? You know, how do you transition those conversations into being to going in a positive direction? I I can't Mm -hmm. say I can answer that. Definitely not uh, my jurisdiction most of the time, although I, you know, I'm trying to learn as much as I can and, and, and understand and, and, and really yeah. reflect. Thank you for that. Yeah. I similarly, like, I feel like doing the work and also not, there's just so much more work to be done, trying to hold my feet to the fire and kind of continue to have difficult conversations and just notice, starting to notice more, I think is where I'm like, oh, 
like I'll say something in like a silly accent and then I'm like, wait, why did I do that? Like, right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, just trying to call myself out more and reading. I don't know if you've read Me and White Supremacy by Layla Afsaid. She has a great podcast, the the Good Ancestor podcast. It's all about becoming a good ancestor, but I love her podcast, but she's, yeah, just reading her book, or it's a book on tape. It's slightly painful because you just see little teeny things that, oh, I need to show up better. I need to do that. Yeah. And like knowing in the moment when those things happen, I think that's what I'm trying to get better at is like both recognizing them, but recognizing Mm -hmm. them in the moment. Yeah. Whereas sometimes it's like, was that weird that that person said that? Or was that weird that, you know, I did this thing or whatever. So it's, I think it's just like a trying to shrink that gap to knowing yes. uh-huh. and reacting, you know? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And then just staying, you know, keeping that conversation alive with friends. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's been a good uh, practice in accountability with mm-hmm. myself and a couple of friends that we continue to check in on each other about these things and suggest new books and suggest new mm-hmm. um, podcasts or, you know, I think it's just, it's not you doing it alone. Although that shouldn't deter anyone doing it alone is still important work, but like right. having, having the people to reflect on things with has been really helpful for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're doing that work and I could just see it coming through in, in your business and in your Instagram, like I could just see like some of that messaging coming through and I just was appreciative of it and just can see how it's so important and will continue to be resonant and important for forever. So it's like a long, a long journey. Well, I want to, I want to give space if there's other things coming up, anything else that you want to, yeah, give voice to. Oh, I think that the next little while is going to be really heavy um, for a lot of us. And potentially there is light at the end of the tunnel. But all that said, I feel like a practice I've been trying to do for myself is just giving myself space to feel feelings and not putting the whole theme of this podcast. Don't put pressure on yourself too much to like take the pressure out of having to be responsible for things at certain times if you if you have a lot of anxiety or if you have a day that is rough or you know mm. some of the important to you is going through something you know really show up for yourself show up those for those around you and you know keep a good head on your shoulders because we're gonna we're gonna need that brain and that effort uh, as as life moves on yeah oh yeah I know I as we're nearing the election I think this might go out perhaps right after the election. And I'm just, <laughs> so I'm like, I just keep seeing Trump signs. I'm like, how, yeah. I don't understand how anyone has a Trump sign up. Like, I just don't understand how after these four years, people still support him, but somehow they do. And it's very confusing. And yeah. Yeah. It's, I think I've bounced back and forth between just being like, oh, 
and like, I can't believe you support this person. And then trying to, you know, my, my higher self is like, yeah. try to be empathetic to what the person is seeing and what they need and why they're supporting. Mm-hmm. You know, there are definitely going to be people out there that are supporting for reasons of protecting their own ego, protecting their own problematic beliefs. And I think there's other people who, you know, maybe are struggling in moments and somehow this is the person who spoke to them first and mm-hmm. made them feel seen. And, you know, I, I think it's probably just trying to see the best in humanity, which is not always called for. And that's right. toxic positivity if I go too far down that road. But like, I really want to hope that, you know, even if it's another four years, God forbid, like there is the future that's moving forward and mm-hmm. we need to be able to con- continue supporting each other and, showing up as a community. And I, I hope that that, ha- I mean, I have to believe that that will happen. I, I, I have to believe that good will continue to happen in the world, even if it's really dark and bleak right now. Yeah. Agreed. I can feel that. And I can feel like there is more community happening. I can feel like people wanting to support each other more. I can see a lot of positivity and I can see how there's just trauma. I was listening to something Sophia, I think Sophia Ray on Instagram. She just was talking about how people who are really drawn to Trump likely have a lot of trauma. Perhaps they had, you know, emotionally abusive parents or a parent that was abusive and so Trump feels familiar and I was like oh I get it that's really (laughs) interesting I hadn't thought about it from that perspective that's oof that's really sad but yeah Yeah. I can see that but it's like if you're used to having a narcissistic parent then Trump seems like normal and comforting in a sense because he's you know in that spectrum for sure yeah, like what does a leader, what does a dominant person look like? And if that's your archetype that fits the bill, then bumbling bull who speaks <laughs> yeah. over everybody else and thinks they're the most important person on the planet <laughs> probably looks about right. Yeah, so bizarre. But and yeah. I'm sorry they kind of took us down a rabbit hole, but that's okay. thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just excited to see how we all rise through this. And regardless of who becomes president, there's work to do. amongst our community and amongst our our inner healing and growth and outer healing and growth and evolving as helpers and healers and artists in the world and teachers so thank you for all the beautiful work that you're doing and for all of your time today how can people connect with you elena yes you can find me on instagram i am shop cold like the temperature gold like the metal. You could also find me at my website. It is also shopcoldgold.com. And then if you want to find me on Etsy, I am simply cold gold. Other than that, you can join a newsletter and I'd love to talk with you even more. I send those out about once a month. So those are fun. I love your newsletter, by the way. It's so good. It's so sweet and just like full of joy and cool images and yeah it's really beautiful it's a great offering amazing well thank you so much elena it's been such a treat to catch up with you and to see your beautiful face and just to hear about your business and how you've kept evolving and just continue to thrive and i am so inspired by your work so thank you so much for making space thank you
Thanks for having me. And I can say the same, same to you for sure. I, I mean, I feel like I remember being in, in school and just looking up to you so much. You, you were always so kind and understanding and dedicated to your work, but it never, like even in moments of stress, it never seeped out into the way you treated the people around you, which Aww. I really respect. Well, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. It's yeah, grad school is such a weird time of like, I was so stressed out, but yeah, it's such a funny time. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. I, I, loved, I loved being there, but uh, yeah, <laughs> different kind of stress. So, yeah. Yes. Because my thing is like, oh my gosh, what if I make enough money where I have to hire more people and then I have to manage? You know, the worry doesn't stem necessarily from more money. It like, it yeah. stems from the responsibility that are born of these step-ups, you know? And like I said, I have to remind myself of that all the time. <laughs> That's, I need to like make that into a mantra and put it on my <laughs> wall or something. There's uh-huh. something there. Wow. Yeah. So good. Oh my gosh. Well, Alina, I just, I love you so much and I'm so Hi. excited I got to catch up with you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for having me. I just yes. feel so special about it. Yes. I was just like, I just kept seeing your post and I was like, I love everything Alina does. I want to see if she wants to be on the podcast. So yeah, thank you so much. It was just so fun to catch up and I just love your work, your branding. I'm just so inspired. Oh, so many layers of inspiration. It means a lot. Cool. I'm excited. <laughs> so good. You were accusing. You too. Bye, honey. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Did you love that episode as much as I did? I don't know if that's possible, but (laughs) anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please be sure to share it with a friend or you can screenshot it and give me a shout out on your Instagram stories. Just be sure to tag me and then I can share it right back at you. Um, If you're digging the show, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and that's super wonderful too. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Time in the Studio Podcast. You can also sign up for my newsletter that I send out once or twice a month at timeinthestudio.com. That's usually a haiku and a little art or some music or a recipe. So I try to make just send a little teeny something fun for you. Um, and yeah, if you want to connect with me on Patreon, that's especially exciting. That is www.patreon.com slash time in the studio. And again, I do have a really fun little Cliff Notes uh, creative business checklist, playful worksheet uh, with affirmations and goodies all woven in together. So that is a fun little treat if you want that. You can join there and yeah, check out her Etsy shop. Check out my Etsy shop. She's at shop cold gold. I'm at Adazia Arts on it. Uh, Etsy. There's a link in the show notes there. And I hope you're well. I hope we have exciting, a new world that we're emerging into. And oh, yes, just so much love to you. And take care and enjoy your time. Toodaloo.